you know, so in this episode, I almost feel like I'm Guy Raz from How I Built This Podcast. This is a really remarkable story. We really try to bring you the best of the best, and, and we say that, but today it's it, it really is an amazing story of how Jorge Chala, who grew up in Argentina, uh, knew he wanted to be a sports medicine orthopedic surgeon, went through medical school residency there, and then came here on the invite from Dr. Laprade at the Stedman Clinic, and then really was worked his way through some of the most unbelievable fellowships that are available here in the United States and overcame all of the hurdles that are required for a foreign medical school graduate to become a licensed practice uh, physician here. I, I really love this story because it's just it's just a remarkable meteoric rise of someone so committed to what he does within the orthopedic world. And the dude is 33 years old. And I I look back at myself at 33 and I just can't believe what he's accomplished already. So this is a great listen. I really hope you enjoy it as much as I do. I could not be more excited about this pitch pro idea. You know, when we first started talking about it a few months ago, it was like, hey, Shark Tank, it sounds kind of cool, but this thing has really got legs. We're gaining excitement on a daily basis from industry, pharma, medical device, the software world, all wanting to be able to pitch the products. We have the most amazing panel, Vin Das and myself, Joe Mullings. I, I'm really excited about this. We know it's going to be a great episode, and we're going to take this through the year as well. So stay tuned. Pitch Pro from the Ortho Show. From Medical Media, this is The Author Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon here for another episode of The Ortho Show podcast, where we bring you the best of the best in the orthopedic world. I am really excited for today's episode. We have an amazing orthopedic surgeon that has just been on a meteoric uh, rise uh, through orthopedics around the world in our country. Uh, it's Dr. Jorge Chalas joining us today, and he is a sports medicine orthopedic surgeon who is at Rush Orthopedics in Chicago. He was educated in his home country of Argentina, where he got his both his MD and his PhD in sports medicine. He then came here and really decided that he wanted to make sure he knew what he was doing. So he decided to do three different fellowships here in the United States. He did a sports medicine fellowship with uh, Dr. LaPrade at Stedman, uh, Stedman Philippon. He then went to uh, Santa Monica Orthopedic Group, which is now part of the Cedar sonic Curlin Job Institute. And from there, went to Rush and did a fellowship and stayed on as attending. I mean, like, dude, dude, how old are you? Can I ask? I'm 33, Scott. Just some people need to learn multiple times and go to multiple fellowships. They learn the same thing. So that's right. <laughs> I had to do it over and over again. <laughs> you just had to keep. You had to keep learning. You had to. You have repetitive memory to make sure you got it all down, huh? No, yeah, thirty exactly. years old. You've done three of the top sports medicine fellowships in our country. Absolutely phenomenal. So, look, you you have such an amazing story. We really thank you, Jorge, for being here with us today. Thank you so much, Scott. It's it's a real pleasure to be with you here today. I've listened to every podcast that you guys have put through, and it's been. You know, a phenomenal and very entertaining experience for me because I have to drive from Chicago to Naperville twice a week. So that makes it much more uh, you know, fun and enjoyable when I have your podcasts available. Uh, that's exactly what we want to hear. And our listeners are growing every day. So we thank all of them for taking the time in, uh, to be in, and spend time with us here as well. So we're going to we're going to like do this like uh, we're, I want to start from the beginning because because, uh, you know, 
you start off in Argentina. Uh, did you know that you wanted to go to medical school right away? What, what do your parents do? Was that just sort of a passion? How did that come together? Yeah, so my, my parents are both doctors. My, my father is an orthopedic surgeon. He does mostly joints. My mother is an OBGYN. And, um, you know, I've always, I've always been involved with sports and rugby in, in my hometown. And, you know, I've always been kind of close to injuries and friends that got injured. And then seeing my dad fix bones and, and, you know, going on a Saturday and putting casts on, I always just love that part of being able to fix people, getting back to what they love. It sounds like a cliche, but actually I loved it. You know, I, I loved being able to interact and, and act at some point and change, change, you know, the natural course of a, of a disease. I, I thought it was a pretty cool idea to see somebody you know, with a fractured bone and six weeks after they are completely restored. So that's how you know everything started, and when when the time came to decide on, on what to do, I didn't have anything else in mind but being a doctor, and I just wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. I never liked you know all the nephrology stuff, uh, cancer, pediatrics, anything else. So I thought um, I have to do this and, and and be an orthopedic surgeon. But you're like way too smart to be an orthopedic surgeon. I mean, like it's you know like the number of art. No, I'm just kidding. We you're you're just amazing at all the stuff that you've done. And do, where did you grow up in Argentina? So I grew up in a, in a small uh, province. It's called Tucumán. It's the smallest province in Argentina. It's where actually the independency uh, was done in, in Argentina. It has about 1.5 million people there, and uh, they have a pretty good medical school. But then, um, you know, there's not a lot of residency programs in my hometown, so I had to, to go to Buenos Aires to do my residency in the Buenos Aires British Hospital. And that was a really cool experience because, you know, you get to... My dad, you know, is one of the owners of of the hospital that um, that is there in Tucumán. So, you know, it's always kind of being the son off. And, uh, you know, he can do this because he's a son off. And, and I always wanted to get detached from that concept and, and do something on my own. And nobody else was, you know, going to be involved or say, you know, this guy this guy can do this because he's the son off. And that's was primarily, my, primarily my, my main goal or my main, you know, uh, motor to, to try to get out of, my province first and, and just go to Buenos Aires and do my own thing. So you head to the big city, uh, you studied hard, you did well, you got a spot in your residency. Uh, and it sounds like it was a great program. How long was the program? So the program is four years. So at four years, you're, 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 you're cruising along, you're doing great. You're obviously really excited. You're, you're, you're on your path towards orthopedic surgery and then you have to make a decision. I mean, you know, you're born and bred in Argentina. Your parents are from Argentina. Uh, at what point did you decide that you wanted to, to consider the idea of, of coming to the U.S.? This is a great story. So we, you know, we used to have rotations in the fourth year that you could elect. So um, basically you have three months in, the, in your fourth year and, and you can go anywhere in the world to learn from somebody else. And um, most of my co-residents used to go to HSS. And I know that I, I wanted to do sports. So the, the sports attending gave me his uh, AGSM, you know, password so I can log in and read the journal. And I was so excited. So I would see this guy, Robert Prada, would publish two papers in each uh, you know, journal. And I was like, who's this guy? And uh, I sent him an email. Well, I didn't send him an email. I sent him his secretary an email, never responded. Sent him a second email, didn't respond. Third email. The issue is that you have to travel to the states, and you have to you know, book your flight tickets, 
accommodation. And when you're a resident, as you know, you don't have a lot of money, so you you need to do it as uh, you know as soon as you can. And you know, in my fifth email, I said, you know, I need you to respond to me, answer with something, at least say no, so I can start looking somewhere else. And they, she actually got back to me. She said, oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm sorry, you know, I didn't see your emails before, I was too busy, whatever. And um, yeah, just send a CV and send, um, you know, a letter of intent of why you want to come here. So I, I did, but in the meantime, I already contacted HSS to say, you know, hey, I might be coming. So I ended up going to HSS for two weeks to uh, with Scott Rodeo. And then I went to Vail for a month and a half. And then I stayed with La Prada. And I, I remember that, you know, I, I always liked research, but, you know, when I tried to do research in my hometown, in my home country, it was almost impossible. You know, I tried to build a table with the patient's um, data and I had, you know, 90% blanks. <laughs> the data was just not there. So when I got to the Stemman Clinic, it was basically like coming to Disneyland. You had a statistician. You had a mentor that would get the papers back to you. you had all the data. It was all computerized. There was an Excel file already. You know, you had to ask a research coordinator to get it to you. It was just, you know, the best experience in the world. And, and when I got there, I said, this is what I want to do. This is, this is exactly where, where I want to be. But then I, I came back, you know, I came back and, um, you know, three months later, I remember I wrote all the techniques from La Prade, filmed every case that I could, had it all in, in, in writing. And three months after, I get an email from La Prade saying, hey, I have a course from uh, Smith & Nephew that I'm chairing. I would love for you to come here and for the course. And then I said, uh, sure, but can I come for three months to do research? <laughs> and he said, yeah, of course. So I came back. Uh, and then in the middle of that, he said, do you want to stay? I think you should take all the steps and just stay. And uh, I did. <laughs> Took all the steps and, and stay for the rest. And well, it's been six, seven years now. Yeah, no, that that that's a common thread, and you, you sort of cross over pretty quickly. But uh, I think really what's what's probably missing in what you said was how impressed they were with you in the time that you were there, because you have been incredibly impressive at every spot you go on your path to where you are now. And uh, I mean, so let's you know put it in perspective, right? You're you're trying to figure out you want to come to the U.S. You got this three-month window. They're not calling you back. You're all nervous. Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And then score. You wind up going to HSS with Scott Rodeo, which is amazing. You develop a relationship with him. Then you go and work with LaProd and, and spend the rest of the time doing an amazing job. And it's not by accident that he calls you and says, hey, by the way, I've got this course. I'd like you to join me. And that was, you know, again, kudos to you on the hard work and effort that allowed you to, to develop that relationship. So then, so then you come and you're doing some research. And then, I mean, it can't be easy at that point. You can't just say, hey, I'm just going to hang out in the U.S. I'm going to get my license and I'm going to chill out. It's going to be a piece of cake, right? I mean, there's, that had to have been, there has to be a pathway that involves time and energy. Tell us about that. So it's a lot of energy, Scott. And, and, you know, I get a lot of people sending me emails from, you know, South America, Pakistan, like everywhere in the world saying, hey, you know, I want to go to the U.S., you know, what's the path? And, you know, when I say the steps, you know, that's the easy part because that's something that you can control. Like you study, you do a course or two, you do the questions, and that, that's a portion that you can control. But you know, there's so many doors and walls that you have to, you know, get through that it's it's – unbelievable when you look back you see all these things that 
that you could not imagine that you could have beaten at that point that are just amazing. For example, uh, when you start submitting all your stuff, since you get here, for example, you don't have credit scores. It's hard to get a credit card to begin with. But from there on, um, for example, when you submit anything to any universities, they, they come back to you and say, well, you missed the college section. So you haven't, you left that blank. And well, I'm from Argentina. There's no college in Argentina. We go from high school to university, seven years of med medical school. And they would say, well, no, that's what they told me at Cedars. You need to put something in there because it's going to get denied. So, you know, things like that. Then the medical license here, if you haven't done residency here, it's, it's very, very difficult. And, um, you know, just getting through those things. When I got here to Rush and started working, Blue Cross Blue Shield said, well, we, we can't credential you because you, you're not, you haven't done residency here. So, you know, just getting through all those hurdles is just an immense amount of extra work that you do on the side um, that is not very pleasant. You just want to work and do what, what you want to do. But these are all the things that you have to deal with, I guess, when, when you come from outside. Yeah, and I want to put it into perspective for the listeners. You know, so you're 33 years old at this point. You've been in practice now for about a year and a half, two years. You've written 250 papers. You have like books. You know, you're you're doing international lectures. At 33, for me, I started, you know, my first job. Okay, so it was college. It was medical school, internship, residency, fellowship. And I started my first job. And, uh, you know, it's really remarkable the path and the hard work and energy that's been required. So, all right. So you're with LaProd for, for you're you're there for a year. You're cranking out papers. You guys become lifelong, you know, friends. He's a mentor, uh, but you're recognizing that you're going to need some more time to sort of figure this whole thing out and get through the the credentialing. And so you decide to to go to Santa Monica, California, and do a sports medicine fellowship, the Santa Monica Orthopedic Group at the time, with some of my favorite people on the planet. So just tell me about how did that happen? How were you able to make the jump, you know, from, from Stedman over to Smock? So th that's, that's actually interesting because in order to be able to practice here in the States, you need to have at least three years of ACG and accredited training. So you can either go back to residency or you can do multiple fellowships. So I, I elected to do multiple fellowships. So when I finishing, when I was finishing my, my regenerative sports medicine fellowship at the Stedman Clinic, I applied for a ACGME accredited fellow at multiple places. And I, you know, I went to Smog and I just loved it. I just loved the energy there. Everybody seems, you know, so relaxed and, and good people. And, you know, everybody seemed like very person oriented. And, you know, sometimes when, when South Americans or other people come to the U.S., we get this impression of Americans being a little bit cold and, you know, just completely, you know, uh, work um, you know, focused people. Whereas in Santa Monica, they seem more like relaxed. You know, you have some people like Ram Ramin Modaber or, or Clint um, Soapy there that are so, so relaxed that it makes you think, like, are, are these guys true orthopedic surgeons here? <laughs> because <laughs> it's just unbelievable. And, um, you know, I went there and probably had one of the best years of my life. You know, those guys are just unbelievable people. And, more, they're great surgeons, great orthopedic um, surgeons, but on, on the side, they're great, great people. They, they went to their houses. We hang out a lot outside work. Um, we did the, the, the tour of California with Ramin in, in, in the car. It was phenomenal experiences there.
Yeah, no, I mean, Burt Mandelbaum, Mike Gerhardt, Tom Knapp, Clint Soppy, uh, Ramin Modaber. I mean, like, these guys are like some of my dearest friends on the planet. It's like uh, I, I try to play Los Angeles Country Club at least twice a year if I can uh, to take me out. But and what a great spot. And you're doctor to the stars, too. Right. You're seeing all these amazing people walking in and. What, a, what an amazing experience for a year. So now you're like, all right, you're there. Uh, you've done your regenerative side of things. You've done the science and stuff and your, and your anatomy with Dr. Leprad. Now you're learning really cool arthroscopic techniques from really some of the, the great you know, leaders. Uh, but then you're saying like, all right, this is cool. I'm hanging out in California, but I'm still not done, right? I still need to do another year to be able to do this. Uh, and then you you apply and you get into the Rush Fellowship, which is arguably one of the, the best sports medicine fellowships in the world as well. So, I mean, so how did that play out? How did you move from smog on over to Chicago? So then I applied when I was actually at the Stenman Clinic to Rush. So it's two years in advance. So I knew that that was my my next year, and it was actually a great great thing to do because you get to see, you know, different ways of doing things, and you get to see that they all do well. You know, maybe what we do in the way that we think it's important, it's not is not the best way to do it, but it's one of the ways to do it. And as long as you have a good orthopedic and sports medicine principle, that's all that matters. And I had phenomenal mentors, as you said before, Bert uh, Mandelbaum, showing me all his biological techniques he's he's somebody that thinks outside the box all the time uh you know rob laprade at first mike philip mark philpon uh, mike gerhard you know all these people that you know are just brilliant surgeons brilliant people and then coming here to rush where you have kind of a different feel where everything moves faster right everybody seems to be running all the time but at the same time, you have these people that can do, you know, Verma can do a rotator cuff in 35 minutes perfectly. We call him Slick Nick. <laughs> or Cole doing an osteochondral allograph in 20 minutes. And it's really humbling because you get to see these monsters that you've read about and, and you get to operate with them. So it was actually, you know, a really cool experience for me. So so you're at Rush and you're, you're kicking it there too. And And I want to be clear about this. Every step of the way, I mean, if you if you go and talk to people about about Jorge guys and, and everyone that's listening, they all say the same thing. It's like they've never seen anything like it. I mean, he just is a research you know guru. Uh, he can write papers. He's an amazing technician. He has an incredible knowledge base. He's mature beyond his years. You know, that's what that's the things that we keep saying and hearing. And so, so obviously, you go to Rush. You're with Brian Cole. You're with Verma. You're with the these top guys. You're doing all kinds of great stuff with the sports teams and and. Uh, and then you you got to figure out what your job's going to be, right? What are you going to do next? And so how did that go? So that was pretty interesting because, you know, nobody teaches you how to negotiate contracts. Nobody teaches you what do you need for a job. And, and that's why I think mentorship is so important because you have to rely on those people to be able to get what you think you want. Because the, the other problem is this is like getting married. You don't know what you're getting into until you get married. <laughs> Same thing for a job. And I think, you know, you just have to follow your heart at, at some point and just take a leap of faith and see and say, you know, this is what I think I want. And, um, you know, what I saw here is that there's an incredible, massive potential for research, which I, I really like. I'm, I'm very curious and I and I just have questions. That's why I like research. I, I like to answer them with, with science. And uh, at the same time, I saw that these guys could be just as, busy clinically and, and do, you know, 
30 cases a week, 40 cases a week in some cases. So um, it's, um, it, it was something that I, I really enjoyed. And, and the third thing was the, the fact that you are in a practice, but you're kind of independent. So you can make your own decisions on whether to hire a PA or, or, or a secretary or change in the event that those things don't work out. But that, that's one, that, those, were, those were the things that I basically looked at when, when picking my job. I think now retroactively, I can say that I think it was the right choice. I'm very happy here. You know, I we've been getting more and more efficient with my team, with people. You have mentors like Bernie Back and Chuck Post Joseph here that are, you know, second to none to they will call you on a regular basis, ask how are you doing, how can they help you. Chuck Post Joseph hired an ATC for me in the first, you know, six months so I can have some help. So those things are the things that you remember all the time and I'm very grateful to those guys because it's it they made my way much easier in, in you know the most stressful la- uh, years of your life because starting your practice is like doing ten fellowships together in your first and second year. Yeah, and you also have to be asked to get married. I mean, that was your analogy, and it's true. I mean, they don't ask people to to stay on at Rush very often. I mean, you guys have six or seven fellows every year. I don't know what the number is, but you know, it's a it's impressive to be asked to be part of the team too. So uh, obviously, your hard work has it had paid off that they felt that they wanted to bring you on as a partner. I think it's also a matter of timing, Scott, and, and, and luck. You know, sometimes you see great applicants and there's no open openings or, you know, they're just hired somebody. And uh, I think everything has to come into place. And I think it's, it's, I don't know, I think it's God's will and, and, and what he wants to do and where, where does he want you to be. And, and I think it's a combination of multiple things. Um, you know, I see we were talking with the, the new fellows when we were interviewing now this year. And, you know, Verma was saying something very true. If any of us would be competing with them for a fellowship position this year, probably none of us would have made it. <laughs> you know, they have hundred publications. They come from Harvard, Yale, Stanford, you know, their CV, their pedigree is just unbelievable. And uh, it gets harder and harder. So it, it's, it's, I think it's a mixture of both things, you know, having in the desire, the, the, you know, the, showing them that you can put the effort in, but also a matter of timing as well. Well, you're you're obviously a, a great leader and mentor with that respect, if you look at your path to where you've gotten to at this point. So, you know, I want to sort of segue into the, to the next topic, which was, you know, pandemic, right? It, it was funny because we're all stuck in the house, right, for shutdown. There's no need for sports medicine with peak surgeons in the, in the middle of a pandemic. So we're all hanging out at home. And, uh, you know, everybody knows who's joking around. I'm in the closet right now doing my episode, as I always am. But I spent a lot of time in the closet. I was trying to cure COVID with my laser, which we did, by the way. And, you know, we were doing all kinds of cool stuff. And then I teamed up with the amazing Ortho Show podcast team. We retooled, and, and then we decided to come and partner together. And, and that was a great mission for me. I felt, you know, really energized when I was done. But I was just I would always laugh because it was like I knew I was really busy. I felt busy, you know, as I was doing all these things. And every day I would just turn on the internet and put on LinkedIn or Instagram and, and I'm like, okay, there's Jorge. <laughs> it's like, okay, we got the international or Saudi Arabian orthopedic meeting. And it was like literally, I swear to God, I must have seen you on like 30 different uh, variations of webinars and whatnot, and you continued to educate throughout, uh, and you were just on all these amazing panels. It was great watching. Yeah, you know, I I learn a lot from those things, and and the reason being is that it's just a privilege to be able to share, you know, those webinars with people that the size of Lebron, uh, Lars Engelbretson, 
you know, uh, Charlie Brown, uh, Alan Getwood, to just name a few. But you get to discuss cases with them, you know, present your cases and, and you're nervous because you're, you know, presenting them to all these giants and, and you know, what you've done wrong or, or well. And you see their cases and how they think things and how they, you know, that they, they decide to whether do one thing or the other. And I think just makes it, you know, really, really educational for somebody that it's starting like I, I am because it's, you know, it allows you to think the way that they think. But it allows you to to see how they think and how they make their decisions. And most of the times, I learn much more than what I actually can convey to people. Walking in the steps of giants. I mean, you have had the opportunity to be on panels uh, where where many people would be dying to have that opportunity, and and yet you get to have it so frequently. So kudos to you there. One of the other things that uh, we share we share a lot of his social media. We always follow each other. I'm always watching your stories and you're always looking at my stuff, which is great. And, you know, we ask this a lot on the Ortho Show because the people that have really mastered social media, really, it's great. I mean, you're educating and people have different ta- takes on how they like to do it. But what I admire about you in particular is you're always educating. You're always providing nuances and new ideas. You love anatomy. I love your anatomy. You're always showing all these details of these ligaments that I've never heard of. But uh, you know, it's like you know, you you've reached, researched them out. You found them. You point them out. It's really awesome, and and people really greatly appreciate that. So my question to you is, you know, who does your social media? So there's multiple people. Um, you know, I do all the dissections and 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 sometimes the the taggings, but. One of my research coordinators, Alison Perry, she's now in charge of most of it. My wife started it actually. She said, "I think this is going to be a great idea. We should do a, you know, professional one." I said, "Like, who's going to follow this? Like, nobody will." And uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, one week we had like a thousand followers, and then twenty, thirty thousand, forty. So it's been growing incredibly. And um, you know, I really enjoy, you know, the feedback of the people sometimes, where you know you put a, um, you know, some video of a root tear repair and um, you can see how the tibia reduces and then a patient comes in and says hey i had that done and since then you know i have no more pain i used to feel that my knee was unstable it was really cool to see the video or some pt you know some pts will contact me and say hey can i use that video to educate educate other people um and and that part of social media i think is something that we didn't have in the past that makes a lot of sense now because it's it's an easy way to educate people for free and, and those people can share it and share it and share it. You, know, I had a suction seal video of the uh, of the hip. It had half a million views, and it's really cool to to see that other people enjoy that as well. You know, because when I saw it when I was doing it, I thought this is awesome. <laughs> you know, because Philip was talking all the time about the suction seal and the suction seal, and I'm like, what is that? Is that really a thing? And then all of a sudden, I'm in the lab with a hip, and I distract, and it does that. Yeah. And I'm like, that, that's it. And then I, uh... you went viral, you know, and what's awesome about you know, Instagram in particular, it, it's a true international media. I mean, you have people from all over the world uh, that are able to follow and see what you're doing. And it's really, it's really quite remarkable. So, you know, great job on all the education stuff that you're doing. You know, Heather, Heather's listening right now. We weren't sure what we we're going to call this episode. I was thinking maybe the meteor, because you know, you're such a meteoric sort of rise that you've had. But I think we got to go with the international rock star orthopedic surgeon. I think that's what it's going to be. 500,000 views on the second seal. The dude's famous. It's got to be the international rock star. I love it. You always get inspired by people like you. You know, some of the social media, just tying everything together. 
you know, we started a couple of uh, randomized clinical trials, as I told you before, because I got inspired by your story, you know, and, I, and you see your videos and see people, you know, thinking outside the box and how can we do it better for our patients and how can we contribute to the pandemic or the epidemic of opioids. And that's where I think social media can have a big impact too, because I, I got this idea from you, to be honest, you know, I see that, well, this, what this guy's doing is pretty cool. And now seeing my patients and not having to give them, you know, 30 Norco pills is actually a, a great thing. And, and, and that's why we're starting to do some research, research on this thing, although there's a lot of it, but on more specific things. But I think that's where, you know, the orthopedic community can be a, a really good thing to follow because you can, we can all learn from each other and social media is something that it's readily available. And um, that's why I think it's so cool. No, I completely agree. And thank you for, for recognizing our opioid sparing and, and for you becoming another opioid sparing superhero in our march towards uh, really eliminating this epidemic for sure. Um, we're almost done, but I just, you know, I, I just, I look at this and I'm reading because, you know, I always do my research. I want to make sure I know what I'm talking about. But I mean, you literally have over 250 published articles. You have 30 book chapters. You've been involved with five books. And now I wish I had a copy of it that I could show, but we're not on video. But, you know, with one of your your great mentors and, and one of the people that really allowed you to make your first steps here to the, you know, in the U.S. with Dr. LaPrade, the evidence-based management of complex knee injuries. Uh, and you you co-authored that with him. And it's a it's a wonderful book. And, you know, I, we just had, uh, you know, uh, Serena Namdari on from from the Rothman. And he has a book that he's writing. I, I feel terrible. I've really got to get back, get back in the closet, start going to work or something. You guys, it's so impressive what you guys are able to do. And so tell us about the book. Cause I know, I know you're super proud of it and uh, it really is. It's an amazing uh, book and just give us a little bit of a synopsis. Yeah. So that book basically conveys uh, a simple message, which is the pyramid approach that, um, you know, I followed from, from Dr. LaPrade has been a great mentor and almost a father to me. You know, we talk on a daily basis almost. And, um, you know, we had this idea of trying to get all the techniques that we've published on in one place. And, and one of our illustrators, Andy Evanson from Minnesota, basically drew all the illustrations for that book, which is the same illustrator that we've used for our paper. So it was actually, a, you know, a great project. You know, it's always great to work with Rob because I've never seen anybody work harder than that guy. You know, he can get you a chapter back after you're sending him for review and within, you know, half an hour. And, um, you know, we both reviewed all the chapters, read all the chapters, uh, picked all the illustrations. It was actually a, a really, really fun project for both of us. And, you know, it's like once you you, you write a book, it's like your son. It's just uh, it's so much work and so much back and forth with the editorial and everything else that it makes it um, it makes it something that you really, really, you know, take close to your heart. Well, you should be proud. And it's uh, it's an awesome book. And kudos to you again for, for all you do. I mean, this is what we love on the Ortho Show. Uh, just the most incredible, remarkable stories from unique individuals that are really trying to make a difference on the planet with the time they have. You know, keep it up, man. Keep doing your, your research. Keep educating. Keep uh, spreading the message across the world. We greatly appreciate all the work you're doing, Jorge, and we can't thank you enough for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Scott, and, and the whole crew behind the show. There's a lot of people involved with this that you know make this show, show so successful and so enjoyable. I, I thank you guys because you've made my rides much more enjoyable and much faster because I, I feel that I get 
you know, sometimes I get to a place and I don't want to get out of a car because I want to finish the, the episode. Uh, so I, I thank you guys for that. Thank you for being a leader and thank you for educating us all in, in multiple things that will make ultimately our patients do better and, you know, avoid certain problems down the line. So thank you, Scott, not only from an orthopedic standpoint, but also from a COVID standpoint. Now you're very timely in everything you do. Thank you, Jorge. We can't thank you enough for your time. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show. Till next time. <laughs>